But at the same time, while we're honoring them, we can still be honest about what we've been through. Um, and so we can do that in you know a prudent way, choosing what to share with whom. Um, but it's important that we're honest because what happens is that if we just honor them, we're going to live a fake life. We're going to always have this facade, this mask on, pretending that things are perfect and fine when they're truly not. And that actually breeds a lot of secrecy and a lot of unhealthy behavior. And so if we want to avoid that, and I'm talking like infidelity, I'm talking like addictions, things like that. And so we've got to avoid just doing the honor thing at the same time. If we're just honest, we're going to destroy relationships. We're going to, you know, put our parents down and not have a relationship with them because we're being maybe so brutally honest to an unhealthy extent. And so the, the mean is somewhere, you know, in the middle, like that's where we want to, um, that's where we want to go. And so, uh, it, it is difficult though, but I think it is possible. But at the same time, again, we need to uh, be able to speak those hard truths in, in a mature way. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. Helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Ron Huntley. I'm really excited for this conversation today. But to be honest with you, it's really only relevant to the leaders who have anybody in their parishes who may be impacted by divorce. And so I'm guessing that's all of you. And so whether you're a pastor or a leader in a church or a lay person, I think today's conversation is going to be really good. I'm looking forward to it this absolutely applies to my life. My guest today is Joey Pontarelli. He wrote a book called It's Not Your Fault. Isn't that an appropriate name for the topic? And uh, so it's going to be really exciting. Joey, welcome to the show. Ron, so good to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. What made you decide, like what an important topic, what made you decide to write this book? Yeah, it's a good question. So I want to backtrack a little bit to answer that question. I was uh, just 11 years old when my parents separated and later got divorced. And I remember the day when my mom broke the news that dad would no longer be living with us. In fact, they were getting divorced. As an 11 year old kid, I didn't know what to do with that news. It, it truly just shattered my world. And so I remember just hiding in the closet and crying and sitting there in that closet. I couldn't have put it into words then, but I felt abandoned. I felt unwanted. I felt like I just wasn't good enough. And in the months and years that followed, I dealt with all sorts of pain and problem that entered into my life. I dealt with emotional problems like anxiety, depression, loneliness, a lot of anger for me as a boy. Dealt with relationship struggles. I, you know, just struggled to trust, to be vulnerable. I remember telling myself, like, I will never get married. If this is where marriage leads, if this is where it ends, why in the world would I want that? And then when it came time years later for me to date, you know, if someone would have told me all the ways in which my parents' divorce would impact my future romantic relationships and even my marriage, I probably wouldn't have believed them. But that's what the research says. It's the biggest area of our lives that's impacted by our parents' divorce. Um, also dealt with bad habits. Around that time, a friend of mine introduced me to pornography. And because there was so much pain in my life, I used that as my drug of choice. And so and it was an it was an effective you know means of numbing that pain, but 
even though it felt good in the moment, afterward, I just felt so empty. And I knew even as a boy that I wanted to be happy and this wasn't making me happy. And so I needed to change. And two things really helped. I heard Jason Everett speak, chastity speaker and author Jason Everett. And uh, he, he's just incredible. And that he answered all the questions I didn't realize I had about love, relationships, sexuality, started consuming his content and just got porn out of my life, started living a pure life, pure relationships. And that was super, super helpful, made life so much better. Also, um, because I was miserable, I decided that I should stop hanging around with these friends who were contributing to that. And so uh, yeah. I don't blame them. Um, okay. I don't blame them, but they just weren't good for me. And I noticed that when I was with these other people, these new friends, I was really happy and, and they were really happy people. And I was confused. I'm like, what is it that you have? I, I want that. Mm. What I realized is their Catholic faith. And so I just started to be like them. I faked it till I made it. I'm still working on the made it part, but um, I, I just started to be like them. I just started to learn my faith to pray to build virtue and just pursue God's plan for my life and that helped a ton too but even with those good things in my life I still felt broken and so I realized like after sin sin is the cause of all the unhappiness in the world but after sin the thing that holds us back the most from becoming the best version of ourselves is our untreated brokenness mm -hmm. and so I knew I needed to heal and so I looked around for some help and I was shocked to find that there was really nothing specific and practical for a young person like me who came from a broken family, you know, talking about this pain point. And the reason that shocked me is because I looked around and I saw how my siblings were struggling. I saw mm. how close friends of mine who were going through their parents' divorce were struggling, often in serious ways. And then over the years, I started reading the research and just understanding this is a big problem, but for some reason, no one's really talking about it. And as a result, this group of people is being hugely neglected, and therefore, they continue to struggle again in often serious ways. And so... After studying business, studying finance at Franciscan University of Steubenville, um, going on to scale uh, a for-profit company 500% in just three years, and we've continued to grow since then, um, I wanted to take that skill set and apply it to this problem. I wanted to build resources for young people who came from broken mm -hmm. families. And so that's why I started my ministry, Restored. Again, we help teenagers and young adults uh, to heal and build virtue so they can feel whole again and break that cycle uh, in their own lives. And we do that primarily through content that, that mm -hmm. makes healing simple. And I know we're going to get into some of that. So that's why we're talking here today. But essentially, I'm trying to build something that the younger me would have found really, really useful. Oh, that's a neat way to look at it. The older you taking care of the younger you, right? Yeah. Appreciate wow. that. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, and I can just imagine everybody listening is probably feeling the same thing I am. It's like, tell me more. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, do we ever need to have this conversation? And I'm hoping too, if you're yeah, listening man. to this or watching this, it's like, like, watch it with a friend, like listen to it and have these conversations. We're going to, uh, Joey's going to talk about four tips, four issues that really are big issues just as a starter, but the resources that he's referring to, are he's got some great resources. We'll, we'll double back to that at the end, but I just really want to encourage you as you hear this, you know, think about who you could be listening to this with maybe even as a study group, um, a, it, it's it's an important conversation. So, Joey, we talked yeah. a little bit ahead of time about four areas that you see this really impacting young people. Um, and one of those was, um, you know, parent relationships, like how that impacts, you know, yeah. separation, divorce impacts parent relationships and how that can be so confusing. What's your insight into that? 
Yeah, Ryan, in answering this question, I think it's important to, to say something to any parents listening right now who might be divorced themselves. Uh, I just want you to know, in no way you know, are we condemning you, are we demonizing you, are we wanting to put you down? We actually want the same thing that you want for your children, to, for them to be healthy, to be happy, to to thrive in life. And in order to, to help them maybe navigate your divorce and to heal um, we have to start with really understanding what they're going through, because if we don't, then we might actually offer help that isn't helpful and might actually be harmful. And so we truly need to understand the person, understand their experience. And so that's where in this episode, we might talk about hit on some uncomfortable truths. But please know, again, we want the same thing. We want your kids to, to be healthy, to be whole and to thrive. But with that, yeah, Ron, one of the biggest areas of uh, struggle for the young people that we lead that I hear from on a daily basis is they have really broken relationships with mom and dad or mom or dad. And uh, this is really, you know, if you look from the outside, you might not think kids care anything about their relationship with their parents. Nothing could be further from the truth. In yeah. fact, I think there's research out there that says that, you know, the person and the people in their lives that influences them the most is not necessarily their friends, but their parents. And so this relationship is, is so important. And there was some uh, research they did in Turkey, actually, in high school students. So they looked at high school students. They focused on the ones who came from divorced families. And they said, typically, these young people were more likely to struggle with anxiety, depression, and loneliness than the other mm -hmm. kids in the school who came from intact families. But they realized that if that young person, if these young people had a good relationship with one or both parents, uh, they were much less likely to struggle with anxiety, depression, <clears throat> and loneliness. And so the lesson there, I think, is simple. If you, you know, come from a divorced family, or you know, someone who does like having a healthy, a good, a deep relationship with your kids uh, is, is so, so important. And so it goes mm -hmm. both ways. So parents listening right now, you know, improving that relationship is going to be so, so helpful. You can do that by just asking really good questions and starting to talk about this topic, which at first can be super uncomfortable if you haven't mm -hmm. had these conversations or you might even get some resistance uh, from your children. And if they're not ready, that's okay. But you can communicate in different modes. Like if you want to communicate that you're sorry about everything they've been through. You're sorry, perhaps for some of your own actions. I don't know the particulars of your situation. Then go ahead and communicate that. Do it in a letter. Mm. You know, do it through a text message if you have to. Just let them know, like that you see their pain, um, that that you want to help them through it as much as they'll let you. So I think just starting that conversation, asking you questions, and focusing on the young person too, because there's going to be such the temptation, especially in a divorce, when emotions are high, when you might feel like at war with your spouse house, um, that the kids often just get stuck in the middle and you might feel the need to defend yourself to your child. Um, I'm not saying it's ever wrong to clarify a lie or something that's untrue, but by and large, just listen. Don't feel the need to defend. Just hear your kids' experience and try to help them through that. And again, just hearing them, just building that rapport, building that trust is going to lead them to want to open yeah. up to you in the future. And that's what that study found, that if the kids were able to open up and to have that good relationship, they were going to do better in life. To any kids listening, yeah. I know we might not have a lot of young people listening, but... Um, I would say, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, boundaries with your parents, it's really important to, um, to, to have them. So one of the things that I struggled with, my siblings and I had to deal with was being kind of placed in the middle. So, you know, mom and dad would kind of pass messages between the two of them because they weren't on talking terms. And that was extremely mm. stressful, such a difficult spot to be in. And so one tactic we teach young people is that, you know, if you're in that situation and maybe you're afraid that if you were to step out of that role, one of your younger siblings would be forced into it. But what you can do is this, 
you can essentially, as uh, a group, uh, you and your siblings, you can just get together and say, you know, we're not going to be the middleman for mom and dad. If they can't talk to each other, they need to go through someone else, like a family member, a friend, a pastor, you know, a, a counselor, a lawyer, whoever. And then you can approach mom and dad and tell them just that. And then you need to enforce that as well. You need to say, hey, mom and dad, like we love you. We want a really good relationship with you. And this is not helping. And yeah. so if you need to pass messages between, you know, each other, you need to do that directly or go through another route. And then, you know, when that temptation to be thrown in the middle is, is there, um, or to step into the middle is there. You just say, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't do that right now. I want to love you, but I have to do it in another way. So that's just one tactic. And mm. there's some other kind of pitfalls that parents might typically fall into. But I think, yeah, open the, opening the lines of communication and then you know having those healthy boundaries can be two really, really helpful tips. What I love about that too is, Joey, you're empowering young people to, to have healthy relationship and have boundaries. Boundaries are helpful all through life yeah. into adulthood. And so to be teaching these young people how to set healthy boundaries is just so empowering. Uh, I think yeah. that's beautiful. And the other thing too, I would say to parents, and you know, I, I can just think of my own situation, how important it was for both of my parents. They they really didn't, like it, you know, nobody ever plans to get divorced. And, and so yeah. you know, I, they found themselves in whatever situation they did and, and they, had to part ways. And I love both my parents deeply and dearly. And, um, but they both valued the relationship that my brother and I were able to have with each of them. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm. Like they didn't villainize each other with us and they actually encouraged us. Like, cause at one point in my late teen or my teens, not my mid teens, I didn't want to be going back and forth anymore because you know, you have yeah. your, you have your, your, social group and your commitments and your things you look forward to and sports and yeah, yeah like all those things it's like it was it was inconvenient of course only thinking about myself at that age not very good at thinking about other people and uh you know but you know my mom really made sure that no it's really important you know <laughs> and I, I looking back i really value that how much she valued because i think she knew what you just said that having a an ongoing loving relationship with both parents was my best chance in life. Um, 100%. yeah. And so that's just another tip there on the lines uh, of the parent relationship, like parents I let's, love that. Let's play a role too. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. One thing you made me think of too, when it comes to, you know, having a relationship with both parents is that sometimes the non-residential parent, the one living with the kids can feel like they're being maybe alienated or just unable to grow that relationship with the kids. And so there's different tactics for that, which I know we can't go into all of them, but one thing, one trend we're seeing um, is sometimes parents are choosing to have a home or an apartment or whatever, where the kids live permanently and then mom and dad come and go. And so that that's a reverse. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a newer thing but you're yeah, it's it's it seems like it could be really effective cuz not only is it saying like we're we're going to prioritize the kids needs in the sense that, you know, we want them to have the stability to have the school, to have the friends, to have the activities, mm -hmm. sports, whatever. Um but also it's a little bit um, instructive to the parent too to say, no, no, this is how inconvenient it can be if the kid was doing this, going back and forth. And it, like you said, like your experience shows, it is not an easy thing to do. So I just want to throw that tip out there to any mm. parents who are maybe going through this right now. And I understand that there's some financial challenges perhaps in that, but I think overall it can be uh, far, far better uh, for the children if they have just one stable place to be.
Beautiful. That's so helpful. So the next topic we thought we'd touch on is is healing tactics. And so, you know, again, as a young person feeling the pain of separation and divorce, what do you do with that pain? What kind of tips would you have around that? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a big question, but just to offer kind of a few quick ones. So um, each of us has a story as if our lives were a novel or or a movie. Mm -hmm. And one of the most healing things you can do, it sounds super simplistic, but one of the most healing things you can do is reflect on that story to engage that story, to reflect on it in an active way, especially on the relationships that you've, um, that have formed you and perhaps the, the wounds that have come from it, the ways in which you were harmed. And the reason that's so important is there's actually neurobiology behind this. I learned this from a great podcast called the place we find ourselves. It's a therapist out in Colorado who talks about, you know, trauma and neurobiology and all this stuff. So one of the things that he said is like they've done brain scans, they've looked at the neurobiology and they see that when someone reflects on their story in a really active and constructive way, trying to learn and grow and improve, when, when they reflect on their story, um, it, it actually increases neural connectivity. So if you think of your brain as like a big web, right? Ner- the neurons are the connections between the webs. The more yes. of those you have the healthier your brain is and reflecting on your story in an active constructive way actually increases neural connectivity. Another thing that he says too, is that if you share your story with someone who can receive it in an empathetic way, so you just open up to someone who is trustworthy and empathetic, that also increases neural connectivity. It literally heals your brain. It makes it healthier and more whole. It makes you healthier and whole. And so that's one of the things I would say, if you can find someone who you can just open up to, find someone who can, can just hear your story, Um, It might not be your parent, perhaps it is, but someone who can just be there with you in the messiness, in the pain, who's not going to try to fix or change you in that moment, but just hear you out. And so that can be extremely healing as in addition to just reflecting actively on your story. The second tactic I would give is writing, actually. So there's a professor at the University of Texas at Austin, um, uh, Dr. James Pennebaker, and he um, has these writing exercises, which are really simple. Like I love the simple stuff because people will actually do it. And so what he does, he writes these books where he, um, he advises people write for just 20 minutes a day for four days in a row. That's it. And he would do these studies mm-hmm. with participants and he'd take the participants and break them into, into two groups. So the first group, he would say, you guys just write about things that are um, amazing emotionally uh, impactful, like emotionally significant events in your lives. Mm -hmm. To the second group, he'd say, write about everyday mundane things, your shoes, the weather, like whatever, social media, whatever. And then um, he said, just do this for 20 minutes a day for four days in a row. That's it. And what they found after doing this study, you know, so many times, I think thousands of times, they found that the people who wrote about emotionally significant events where they were healthier, they were happier, less depressed, less anxious. They even had more success at work, um, better relationships, and, and so many more uh, improvements. And so uh, that in itself, I think, can be a really helpful tactic. He, and he says, basically, to do this tactic, tactically, um, he says, basically, you know, open up a notebook, uh, open up a document. If you want to record it on your phone, you can. Yeah. And just write. Write without a uh, filter. Uh, write, you know, without worrying about grammar, just go where your mind takes you. And if it becomes overwhelming, like too emotional, 
um, I've gone through these exercises myself. It can be very emotional. Mm -hmm. Then go ahead and take a break, you know, write about something else or just back off from it for now. Um, he calls that the, the freak out rule. But again, this can be extremely, extremely helpful, uh, for, for anyone who's, who's been through trauma, who's been through emotionally significant events in their lives uh, mm -hmm. and they want to heal. And there's so many other tactics like therapy, um, uh, also just hearing other people's stories, not just telling your own, but hearing other people's stories, mm. uh, can be really helpful. Cause then you'll know like, wow, okay. I'm not the only one who's been through that as well. So just a few tips there. And there's, there's so many more that we can get into. Well, it's a good point. So sometimes we do feel alone and even having this conversation, this podcast is an opportunity to, for people to realize, oh, I'm not alone. Uh, cause you and I both have been impacted by this, but I want to pick up on something you said and ask you how important it is because you said active, healthy, and constructive because it's not uncommon to deal with really challenging situations in our life. And, and, you know, why me, uh, I wish he, you know, and, and, and we kind of blame the other person. We just get in this tirade. I just grab them, you know, in my mind's eye and I'm fighting <laughs> and, you know, whatever it is that however my emotions come out, they're anything yeah. but constructive and healthy, they're negative. Yeah. And, but, but is it, does it matter? Yeah. Great question. So, two things. One, it's such a good thing. And I, I know you'd agree with this. It's such a good thing to, to face and feel your emotions. It's a good thing to, even if they're messy and ugly and there's anger and all these things, um, we, we don't want to bury that because what happens is if we bury that, it will come up later a hundred percent of the time always. And so we do want to address that. We want to face that. We want to deal with, okay, I feel a lot of anger towards dad. Why do I feel so much anger towards dad? Like, you know, like you said, want to, you know, act out in a really bad way um, <laughs> yeah. when I'm with him or when, when he talks to me, like what's going on there. And if we're, you know, constantly just kind of divert, 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 then again, nothing's going to change. We're always going to feel that. And so we need to dig deep and be like, what is going on here? Understand our mm -hmm. story, understand kind of where this started, how we got there, which isn't as simple as it sounds. Like most people think like, well, yeah, I understand like why I have some anger towards my dad, but no, no, dig into that. And it's, mm -hmm. I promise you, you're seeing the tip of the iceberg there's more below the surface. And so that, that's one thing I would say. Another thing I would say is when it comes to the, you know, just kind of speaking about this and acting, um, I would say it's important. Yeah. To not fall into the trap of just kind of putting people down or brooding over our emotions. Like we want to do something healthy with them. Right. And so I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's important that, you know, cause we, we lead an online community for young people who come from broken families. And I have to say, it's incredibly like healthy place, constructive place. Um, but it very easily probably could turn into a place where we just hate on our parents. Um, not that any of us would want that, but, but it, that probably would be easy to do. And so I, I think there, there's a way to, to do it in a respectful way where you can talk about what you've been through. Uh, without putting them down. And, uh, and so there's always that, um, I've heard psychologists talk about this tension between honor and honesty. You know, we want to honor our parents for the role that they have in our lives. Like we love them. I, I've done dozens of over a hundred episodes on my podcast. Now I ask my guests who come on to share their story. Do you hate your parents? I've never gotten a yes to that. They always say, no, no, I love my parents. I want, you know, what's best for them. Um, but at the same time, while we're honoring them, we can still be honest about what we've been through. Um, and so we can do that in, you know, a prudent way, 
choosing what to share with whom. Um, but it's important that we're honest because what happens is that if we just honor them, we're going to live a fake life. We're going to always have this facade, this mask on pretending that things are perfect and fine when they're truly not. And that actually breeds a lot of secrecy and a lot of unhealthy behavior. And so if mm. we want to avoid that, and I'm talking like infidelity, I'm talking like addictions, things like that. And so we, right. we got to avoid just doing the honor thing at the same time. If we're just honest, we're going to destroy relationships. We're going to, you know, put our parents down and not have a relationship with them because we're being maybe so brutally honest and unhealthy mm -hmm. extent. And so the, the mean is somewhere, you know, in the middle, like that's where we want to, um, that's where we want to go. And mm -hmm. so, uh, it, it is difficult though, but I think it is possible. But at the same time, again, we need to uh, be able to speak those hard truths in, in a mature way. I'm so glad, Joey, that you guys are helping young people deal with this because when I was a young boy, I didn't, I didn't have the emotional maturity um, to to even get in touch with my emotions. So they'd often come out as aggression. Um, I was yeah. a very physical, sports oriented guy, and and so that ended up, you know, sometimes turning into fighting and violence, and um, as an outlet, um, you know, and then you get older and you can't get away with that stuff, and and. Um, yeah. And you recognize it wasn't lead, it wasn't making you feel any better. It always made you feel worse. Yeah. Um, but I realized as an adult that that anger may be one of the first places I go. But to your point of the tip of the iceberg. And so instead of feeding that anger, realizing I'm angry, God, can you help me with this? Because that's yeah. not a very good job right now. And, and there's something underneath that. There's something behind that. And I'm not going to allow myself mm. to stay in that negative space of just anger and violence and whether even it's just playing something over and over in my mind, it doesn't help me to feed mm -hmm. that. You know, I heard that, you know, two dogs are fighting, you know, an evil dog and a good dog and you know, which one's going to win and you know, the wow. one you feed, you know, so which <sighs> one are you feeding? And so you can't, I, I can't feed that part of me that gets, that has this knee jerk response, this primal response for anger. Although I, even as an adult, I deal with that. I have to manage that. It's like, darn it all. I'm feeling Me that too. to your point. Well, admit it, own it. It's okay. But then to your point, well, I love that healthy and constructive. It's like, yeah. And so what I'll often say to myself is, okay, what can I learn in this guy? Where are you in this? Because there's mm -hmm. always cool things learned in life in every situation. Yeah. But if I don't choose to go in that direction, if I don't receive that grace in that moment, to feed the good dog versus the dog that's going to make me feel like I'm a victim, that I'm out of control, mm. that I have to, you know, fight for myself at all costs. It, it's just not healthy. And, and so feel it. Yes. But choose health. Health is choice maybe. And, nice. you know, I don't know at what age I could have <laughs> received that, you know, but, you know, your ministries to younger people. And I just yeah. am so excited that you're doing that because I'm, I'm sure I could have benefited from your mentorship when I was a young boy. I love that. And yeah, no, you're so right to say like, you know, we can maybe avoid feeling what we're going to feel. And for you as a boy, by the way, that's super, super common. Like in the research that we've seen, you know, it, it's very common if you come from a broken family, if you come from a divorced family to experience those emotions like anger, to act out more in violence. And there was a researcher at the University of California, Berkeley, who studied this problem for 25 years. And that was one of the things that she discovered too. So, you know, I don't, you're not weird. You're not strange. There's nothing wrong with you in that sense. And I think that I don't say that just for your benefit, because I know you've, you've no, grown so much, but, yeah. but for the benefit of everyone listening, because one of the most freeing things, especially about this problem in particular is like, we talked about before hearing other people's stories, just being like, wow, no one ever talks about this, but 
that's exactly my story. That that's like I went through similar things as that person did. And so maybe I'm not this weird freak that feels the need to hide everything about my past. Maybe perhaps I'm just more human than I imagined, and I just need to learn how to to heal and and to deal with this stuff and navigate these difficult emotions. And on the difficult emotion component, I think this is will be helpful for everyone listening too. Um, Dr. Susan David is a researcher, is a psychologist at the Harvard Medical School, and she wrote a great book called Emotional Agility. And uh, she defines emotional agility as the ability to to face and feel your emotions without stuffing them away, without ignoring them or denying them, but just facing them and feeling them. Um, but then choosing a response that aligns with your deepest held beliefs, as Catholics would call that virtue. And so what she says that in order to develop that emotional agility, one of the things we need to do is to create that space between stimulus and response. And she quotes Viktor Frankl, the Austrian psychiatrist who wrote the great book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he says that between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space, there's our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And, and I love that. And so she says, basically, we need to lengthen that space. We need to pause, to slow down, to take a deep breath, maybe even physically step back when we're feeling so emotional so that we can then choose a way to respond that aligns with those deepest held beliefs. Another thing she says is just labeling your emotions, just to put some more meat on this, labeling your emotions is, is so, so helpful. She tells a story about this businessman named Thomas. Uh, Thomas, one day when he got to work, got to the office, he had a seizure, like really scary situation, um, fell down on the ground, paramedics came, you know, took him away. At the hospital, they ran a bunch of tests. Doctor came in and said, Thomas, we understand that this was a really scary situation, but thankfully, you are very, very unlikely to have a seizure again. Like the chances are almost zero. Um, but Thomas would not have it. He became obsessed with this idea that he would have another seizure to the point where he lost everything. He lost his job. He lost his home. He lost his wife. He lost his friends. Like he was living on the street years later uh, when he started working in therapy with this doctor, Dr. Susan David. And one really interesting thing she noticed about him is that whenever she would ask him how he was doing, he would always respond in the same way. It was like the South African equivalent of like, I'm fine. Things are fine. One day she was asking about how he was doing and how his mom was doing. Cause his mom was really the only one there for him through mm -hmm. all of this. And, uh, and she asked him, you know, how are you doing? How's your mom? And he's like, you know, I'm fine. Things are fine. She died. And in that moment, in that response, Dr. Susan David realized that Thomas suffered from a condition called alexithymia. Alexithymia is the inability to distinguish between and put into words your emotions. And because he had that inability mm -hmm. to do that, that greatly impacted his ability to, to cope, to deal with the, the difficult things he was going through in life and to move on in life, to move past it, to move beyond it. And so one of the things she says in that book is just like, learn to recognize what you're feeling, just like you said, Ron. Um, and then again, choose a way to respond that aligns with your deepest held beliefs. But sometimes you need to step back and take, take a little bit of a breather. But I always find that tip helpful because, you know, we can all learn to label our emotions. Mm, absolutely. And I wonder too, if that space of often, this will lead into our third tip, which is your relationship with God. But I often wonder if that space is a space of grace. I wonder if that's the space where we can tap into the grace of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we're not alone and that, that in that moment we can choose with the help of God, um, you know, mm. that stimulus response, that space, space of grace, like that's a perfect time for the shortest so forever good. come Holy Spirit. So let's talk a little bit about <laughs> that too, because, you know, a person's relationship yeah. with God is often impacted 
you knew, yeah, talk about that. Greatly so. I couldn't agree more with that. I know mine was. Um, and I, what I've seen in the young people that I've worked with too, this is often, you know, the, the biggest area of their life that suffers. Um, their relationship with their parents suffer, their, their romantic relationships suffer. You know, they deal with a lot of emotional problems. But so often when it comes to their relationship with God, they outright reject him. Mm. And, and usually that's because they, they just are, have a, such a hard time grasping this idea of like, why would God let this happen? And I know I had to wrestle with that too. Like, God, like, why would you let this happen? And I would ask him, like, God, where were you? Like, where were you when my family was falling apart? Because honestly, the way I felt is I felt like he was just standing on the sidelines, watching me get my teeth kicked in, watching mm -hmm. me get beat up. And so I had to wrestle with this for, for many, many years through a lot of prayer, a lot of spiritual direction, a lot of adoration. And what I realized after getting to know him through the saints, through the sacraments, you know, through scripture, what I realized is that God wasn't at a distance. He was actually right there with me in the midst of it. He was right there with that 11 year old Joey sitting in the closet crying too. He was there sitting next to me saying like, I don't want it to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. I'm so sorry this is happening. And what I've learned is that sometimes God's only response to our pain is his presence Father Mike Schmidt said that. He said, sometimes God's only response to our pain is his presence. And so in the midst of that, the challenge is to hold on to him, to hold on to him. He's there. He's there. I mean, if you think in scripture, when it comes to, you know, Lazarus dying, right, his close friend, like it, it's, it's such an interesting story in scripture because we see that, you know, Jesus wept, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus wept. And, and the question is like, why did he weep? He was literally about to raise the guy from the dead. Like, why would you be sad about that? And so I think that the lesson that he's teaching there and what I want to tie into is that God isn't absent and he's not indifferent. He's actually present and, and he's, he cares deeply. And so I think that lesson in, in weeping for the death of his friend Lazarus, even though he's about to raise him from the dead, is that human suffering moves the heart of God. Human suffering moves mm. the heart of God. And we can never say, I know this is what I had to learn. I can never say that I had a God who didn't know what it was like to suffer. And so all of those things just helped me a ton in my relationship with God. But young people right now are really, really struggling. Like so many of them want nothing to do with God, with church, with anything. Because so often, you know this, Ron, as young people, the most powerful creatures that we know are our parents. And so we tend to project their image onto God. We think, well, if my parents are like this, God must be like this too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if that example was greatly lacking, then they tend to think that God is the same way. And so why would they want a relationship with him? And so one of the things we're trying to do at our ministry is break through all of that is help them on a human level and then ultimately lead them into a relationship with God. But uh, it can be, a, it can be a real struggle. So the challenge here, I guess would be, you know, encourage the young people in your life, or if you're listening to this, you're a young person, like encourage them to take those hard questions to God. So often they don't take them to him because maybe they feel like it's, blasphemous or they don't know how to go about it, but no, no, no. Like go into that stuff, into the deep, like dig into those things and take those hard questions to God. Give him time though to answer. He's a little slow sometimes, but, but give him some time, <laughs> give him some time to answer. And, uh, and, and he will come through for you. Like God will provide for you to the degree that you rely on him. And so rely on him greatly in this way and like, let him come through for you, but take those hard questions to him. That's such an important, you know, 
It's such an important perspective. And, and I know, because we'll wrap up with this stuff, but I, I want to bridge it now, yeah. is that you, know, you provide some resources to help church leaders create space um, to minister to and help people. And it's so important because where else are people going to, like, how do they take steps towards God, especially in our culture, especially in Canada or Australia, or the UK, like it's we're way yeah. worse off than you guys are in the U S in terms of <laughs> secularization. And, and so what's, what's someone's road back into a relationship with God or to a relationship with God for the first time, if the church isn't standing in that space, and so thank you for, again, creating those resources and we'll, we'll link those to the show notes, but it's so important. It's so important. It just, it breaks my heart yeah. because, you know, I think about my kids and they went to school. We well, don't have Catholic schools here in Nova Scotia. And, you know, they grew up in schools and, you know, there's maybe one or two Christians, not even Catholics, Christians in their class. And wow. so it's a godless society that, that we're growing up in. Um, but it isn't because people don't long for truth and wholeness and, and healing. And, and boy, that relationship is, is critical. And, and us being formed well as leaders so that we can meet people's deepest pains and, and be a bridge to Christ is, wow, what a privileged space to be in. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one yeah. thought on that, mm, if it's please. okay. No, I think so often we treat symptoms. And so it's like, you know, we're dealing with pornography. We're dealing with young people being apathetic and not making commitments and giving up on marriage and living together and all this stuff. And we're trying to treat those symptoms, which I think we should, that they deserve it. But we need to go underneath the surface and like, be like, what is the root? And so often what I've learned through all the research we've done and the young people we've talked to is that the root is so often the breakdown of the family. It's literally their personal experience, the trauma they've endured. And if we can get to that and heal that, the symptoms tend to take care of themselves. And, and we've seen that like through the trauma therapy that we send young people to. And so I think that's a challenge for all the pastors listening right now. It's like, what if you know you were to go to the root instead of just treating the symptoms that we need to do that too? Uh, how, how might your parish like might look different? And also like, you know, think of how many young people in your parish or families um, are broken. And I'd imagine it's somewhere in the 50% range, maybe more or less, depending on where you're at. But um, it, it's tragic. And this group of people doesn't get the help that they need. So I'm glad we're talking about this topic. And Joey, if, if, if pastors listen to this going, oh, great, one more thing that I need to learn how to do that I'm not good at. <laughs> like, do you train up lay people to help this space as well? Or is it just the pastors telling me about that? Yeah, yeah. No, we can train uh, lay people as well. Uh, we can set up like local support groups uh, as well. That's uh, something we're able to do. And so, yeah, we, so a couple things. I, I totally get that. I was talking to my pastor not long ago and he was expressing that frustration. It's like, there's so many good things out there, but you so can't true. do them all. And so we'll do it for you. Essentially, we'll do it for you. And so, um, you know, I know we're going to mention some resources. Um, did you want me to jump into that now? Is that okay? Well, let's, I want to touch on the, the romance thing before we go. Sure. Um, and because you mentioned sometimes that people's own relationships later on in life get impacted negatively by their parents' divorce years earlier. What, what, tell me a little bit about that. 
hundred percent. So University of California, Berkeley, I mentioned, um, they did, you know, 25 years of research, um, in, you know, on children of divorce and they studied 131 kids from 60 families and followed them again for 25 years. It's the longest study that wow. we have to date on this topic. And, uh, a lot of their findings align with like the national data that we have as well. And, uh, two main takeaways from that particular study. One, uh, the researcher, Dr. Judith Wallerstein, she found that the, um, the full effects from your parents' divorce aren't actually experienced until adulthood. She called it the sleeper effect. That means that you're not, that doesn't mean you're not affected before then. It just means the full effects will come out later around college age or beyond. Uh, the other finding she had is she said the biggest area of your life that's impacted by your parents' divorce is your own romantic relationships and even your friendships, but especially your romantic relationships and your future marriage. Why is that? That's pretty simple, actually. We lack a roadmap for love. We've seen a really broken model mm. of love and marriage. And so when it's our turn, we just don't know how to go about building a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship. We're filled with a lot of anxiety and fear. And we might end up falling into similar patterns as our parents because subconsciously, that's where we learned how to build a marriage in, within our families. And so what often happens is there's some research that says you're two to three times more likely to get divorced if you come from a divorced family. And, and that's terrifying. No one, none of us right. want that as well. And so what's the solution? I think we need to discover, you know, what is that roadmap for love? And of course, you know, God's plan for love and for marriage is that roadmap. Um, but I think there's, yeah, there's ways in which we can talk to young people about that. And so what I found um, to, to be super helpful when it comes to this is just like, if you're a young person who comes from a broken family, spend time with good marriages and families. That was extremely helpful mm -hmm. for me. There were two couples, two families where I, I spent a lot of time with them. I was able to not only learn that, okay, wow, love can last. And not only can it last, it actually can be really good and beautiful and life-giving. And uh, not only that, um, I can learn how to do it. I can see how they're communicating with each other. I can see how, you know, they have their, their faith is such an important part of life and all these different things. And so that was extremely helpful. So if you're a young person listening right now or a pastor and you can help a young person who comes from a broken family to just spend time, maybe help out with chores around the house, a barbecue, a bonfire, like anything like that, just to soak into that school of love, that's going to be extremely helpful. And you're going to learn more than reading any books. So beautiful. And a shout out to all those beautiful couples that find a way to stay married and, and, and rough the you know, weather, the storms and, and, and the, 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 the witness and example they are. And again, no, no discredit to anyone who's found themselves not being able to, to, to be in that situation. But we need, we need, uh, we need those couples that, uh, to be the witnesses and to, to be part of that healing process that God wants for us. And again, that's where the church I think can be just so helpful um, as a living, vibrant, lived community as it comes alive. That's so beautiful. Joey, thanks for your tips and, and thanks for your help. Again, I know and I do want to talk about your resources because they're way more than what we're talking about today. And again, just as a starting point, like get on Amazon and get this book uh, and read it with a friend or a group of friends or with your kids or whatever, you know, it's a good, start but there's so much more you have and so i just want to create this space to 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 share with people because i know people are going to want more 
Yeah, no, thanks for this opportunity and just loved having this conversation with you. Yeah. So our resources, again, we want to make healing simple for these young people who come from broken families. The book is one way to do it. Uh, it features 33 questions and answers on what we, we've identified as the most pressing challenges that you, these young people face when they come from a broken family. Everything from, you know, how do I heal my relationship with my parents? How do I deal with the emotional problems that I struggle with? How do I, you know, navigate my relationship with God? You know, how do I, you know, deal with kind of analysis paralysis. We've noticed a trend in a lot of young people who come from broken families, they struggle to make decisions. So how do I make like good decisions? Um, and so many more topics like handling the holidays when you're, you know, between two families and so, so much more. So we hit on all the pain points. We just give them some practical guidance and some resources that they can use uh, to, to deal with those challenges. So that's the book. Our podcast is by far our most popular resource. At this point, we have 75,000 downloads and we've had um, just incredible, incredible guests come on there like dr bob shoots if you're familiar with him yes. he he's a big he, he's like a big supporter of what we do he's a big fan he's a, become a friend um you know we have jason ever come on christopher west just came on jay stringer if you're familiar with him he, he's an amazing therapist he he just came on the show so we we have some awesome uh interviews mm -hmm. and it's all tailored around you know, this experience of coming from a broken family. And so I'd recommend that, um, episode 86. So if you go to restored ministry, dot com slash 86 is a good episode to start with it's kind of a sampler um of, of every episode from uh from uh, one of the previous years so that's one i would recommend um but yeah feel free to just browse the podcast and see what resonates with you and then we also offer some uh more advanced stuff like i said for pastors out there who are juggling a lot and they want to help these families these young people mm -hmm. the parents but they don't know what to do we can come in and help you so the basic place to start is speaking engagements we give 45 minute keynotes we do breakout sessions as well. Um, we have three different talks. I won't go into them a lot, but one is for just young people who come from broken families, teaching them how to deal with their pain in healthy ways instead of unhealthy ways. We look at the lives of the saints. We look at really heroic people who've been through a lot of pain, but um, refuse to become victims and instead just transform their lives and kept growing. And so that's because um, I, I believe like we talked about, Ron, it's like that's the number one threat in a lot of ways to young people's happiness and even their salvation is the pain that they're going through uh, in their lives. So, so that, uh, that's one talk. We have a talk about love and marriage. It's based on marriage research. It's based on really beautiful couples. And it's also based on, um, what the church has to say. And finally, we have a talk for parents, parents who, um, you know, who are divorced or maybe they have someone close to them who is, we want to teach them how to help the young people in their lives. And so that, that's another talk. So that's a speaking, uh, it's all on our website. And uh, finally, the thing that I'll mention is we have a free um, two-hour video course. So uh, a friend of mine reached out to me uh, some years ago now, and she said, Joey, my aunt and my uncle are going through a divorce. I want to help their children. They have, they have five children. I want to help them. What do I do? I have no clue what to do. And so I just wrote up an email to her with 10 tips. And after sending it, I was like, I wonder if there's other people out there who could use this advice. And so we, um, we turned it into a blog article. It's 10 tips on how to, you know, help someone who comes from a divorced, uh, family whose parents are divorced. And, uh, and to this day, we get three to 4,000 hits per month on that. Um, normally people will spend 30 to 90 seconds on any sort of article or webpage. Yeah. On average, they spend like eight minutes on this one. And so we took that content. And we made it into a video course to expound deeper and give give better advice. And so that course, um, as well as on our website, that's totally free. And so we just want to you know enable people who who lead 
uh, young people like pastors, youth ministers, parents, friends, significant others to, to help those people in their life, whether they're young in terms of teenagers or even, you know, young professionals, people in their thirties as well, it will be helpful across the board. So uh, the podcast, the book, the online course, and then as well as the speaking engagements are a few things that I would mention. Oh, Joey, thank you so much. I, again, I just picture your younger 11-year-old self uh, getting these tools and being equipped to heal faster and more complete. And so just think of all the people that this episode can help. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for your ministry, my friend. It's so important. It's so honored to be here. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, just email me at joey uh, at Restored Ministry, Ministry Singular dot com, Joey at Restored Ministry dot com. I'd be honored to, to speak with you and Ron, just love what you're doing and you're truly transforming uh, the world and the way we run churches. So keep up the great work and honored to, to speak with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank you for listening in and, and joining these conversations that are there's just so many layers to doing church well, doing church in a way that makes a difference. And so these are the types of conversations that we want to engage people in so that we as a church can be a place where people are restored, transformed, and sent out to make a difference in the world. Thank you for all you do in your parish and your business to make the world a better place. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember... If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.